The impact air pollution has these days comes with pretty severe implications. Scientists have linked air contamination to a higher number of COVID-19 cases and to deaths related to the virus because exposure to pollution could increase the risk of acute respiratory illness. In India, coronavirus cases are increasing rapidly, with over 9 million people currently infected. And in Delhi, the country's capital, the virus could be finding an ally in air pollution, as the level of particulate matter thickens the air while days get colder and colder. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. And today, we're bringing you a replay of a piece done with one of our colleagues who works on documentaries for Al Jazeera. Delhi's winter always had this fog, which was kind of, you know, it's it's the stuff that nostalgia is made of. And, you know, whenever I think of Delhi's winters, I think of sipping hot tea with fog around me. And um, when I was growing up, it was not associated with pollution. Uh, but now it is. Delhi is the most polluted capital in the world. The glut of cars, trucks, and tuk-tuks in Delhi are adding lethal amounts of carbon monoxide into the air. In 2017 alone, air pollution was a leading cause of death for more than 1.2 million Indians in the subcontinent. More than 51% of the people who died were younger than 70. Scientists and doctors agree that pollution is killing Indians. And the government is finally calling it a public health emergency. In the meantime, how are people surviving and what, if anything, is the government doing to save them? Al Jazeera's Neha Tara Mehta, a Delhi native who produced the documentary Delhi's Deadly Air, takes us around the city. So you have a personal connection to this story. What was the tipping point for you that made you decide, I'm going to make a documentary about this? Real tipping point for me was, um, you know, seeing my my little nieces who were both at that point under five years of age playing around in masks. And that was really difficult, you know, going to their birthday party at a, at a picnic uh, outdoors. And they were running around in pink Mickey Mouse masks and, you know, they're kids and they don't really know what they're doing. But it was just so dystopian. And I began to wonder, I mean, are we suddenly faced with this invisible kind of invader, is this something that Delhi is not going to be able to fight back? But how did Delhi get to this point? Let's stop here for a second and think back. New Delhi's toxic air has year-round and seasonal sources, transportation and industrial emissions, construction, and smoke from the burning of crops and trash. And there's also a geographic factor. The flat field where the city is located is enclosed by the Himalayas, blocking the airflow. During the summer, the heat lifts the smog to altitudes where the winds can make it disappear. But in the winter, morning mist locks the particles at ground level. An absence of airflow and the cold air coming off the mountains works as a lid, causing dust and smoke to build up and stay. It's really a perfect storm of everything that could go wrong. So are there times of year that are a little bit better than others or there are cycles to this? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, the winter season is typically the worst, but Delhi very rarely has a good air quality day. And for instance, in 2018, there was zero good air quality days in the entire year. And this is something that government statistics will not tell you. They'll say that, oh, air pollution levels are going down and, you know, they club the air quality in, like satisfactory and moderate and good, you know, so you don't actually know until you really dig through the data. And this is what we did while making the film. And we found there was zero good air quality days. And that's something that the government acknowledged. So I know there are some estimates that more than a million Indians died in 2017 because of the country's dirty air. And that's according to at least one study, the Global Burden of Disease Study. But what is the government saying? Do they admit that air pollution is the cause of these deaths? Unfortunately, no. The government's consistent position on this has been that there is no direct correlation between air pollution and deaths in the country. And, you know, if you talk to doctors in the field who are actually looking at the lungs of people, they'll tell you. I rarely see a lung which is pink. Even when I'm operating on teenagers, we are finding big black, black deposits. It's a very serious development. I would say the children in Delhi get affected even before they are born because their mothers are breathing the toxic air and that toxic chemical through her blood, through placenta, is reaching the baby. Even a newborn baby is declared a smoker by doctors because that's how bad the air is. If your PM 2.5 is, say, 300, 300 PM 2.5 is equal to nearly... 14 to 15 cigarettes. So on the first day of his or her life, a newborn is inhaling air, which in terms of damage is equal to 10 to 15 cigarettes. Yes, you heard that right. That doctor you just heard from Neha's documentary, his name is Dr. Arvind Kumar. And he says that the pollution is so bad and affects the lungs so gravely that even a newborn baby can be considered a smoker. And by the way, PM 2.5 is how pollution is measured. But more on that later. We'll tell you the science behind it. So I wonder, when it comes to tackling this problem, are there differences between how the local government is handling it and the national government, the federal government? Because... We know the government of New Delhi and the National Capital Region closed several schools. They halted construction projects. They limited the number of vehicles on roads. And they were urging people to stay inside because the air quality was so bad. So is there a gulf between the federal and the local governments? You know, all of these pollution control measures follow court orders, so they just have to be implemented. The problem actually is there is a lot of politics around air pollution uh, in Delhi, and that's all. That's one of the reasons is Delhi is just very complicated. You have a federal government, you have the Delhi government, and you have municipal bodies as well. And, you know, there's there's this politics of blame game that's that's playing out right now. And the Delhi government's blaming the federal government. So it really becomes a finger pointing game. And this is something that even the Supreme Court has noticed that, you know, people are dying and you guys are just, you know, pointing fingers at each other. And there have been studies on the effects this has had in India for some time now. There's a World Bank study that shows the country lost over 8% 
of its GDP in 2013, and that was due to the loss of labor to the air pollution. What kind of impact is this having on people? And are there parts of the population that are impacted more so than others? I think the losses we are looking at because of air pollution are unquantifiable and untold. There just simply haven't been enough studies on this. And it's really, really hard to quantify how air pollution is affecting productivity. I mean, if you look at, you know, there's there's such an air apartheid for one thing. Air apartheid. Imagine that. There are stark differences in the way the air quality crisis is affecting the rich and the poor. This is something that brings out the, the the very stark social divide in Delhi, like almost nothing else I've seen. You've always had a very kind of stark, rich, poor divide. But it's just really sad that something as basic as the air you breathe can be very different depending on your economic class. You know, you have people in fancy buildings with air purifiers and masks with and, you know, with very limited exposure to bad air. And then you have a lot of people working on the streets with absolutely no protection. So this is something that the government needs to look at very seriously. So you met a few people in the course of doing your documentary who were getting very sick, some on the verge of dying. My name is Priyanka. I'm a 26-year-old New Delhi resident. About six months ago, I got diagnosed with uh, stage 4 metastatic lung cancer. And uh, it is very unusual for somebody of my age to actually suffer from anything like that. Because as a non-smoker, it's very unlikely that somebody would face lung cancer. This girl was very much self-made and very bright. She was a digital marketing consultant. I believe that air pollution could have been uh, a contributing factor to what I'm suffering from. I I was working, I was uh, living my daily life, I was happy. Uh, And then all of a sudden, I started experiencing these breathing issues, uh, wherein, um, you know, I would go breathless, uh, even while I was in work. And uh, I wouldn't really understand uh, what's the reason behind it. I'm not sure if I would even make it for the new year and um, I don't know how many how many days do I have had I lived in any other city other than Delhi I honestly wouldn't know whether cancer would have still happened to me Priyanka Jain died at 27 uh, less than four months after I met her, and it was it was like a huge loss for a family. She's a single child of a single parent and the sole breadwinner. She and I wanted to collaborate on a bunch of things, and I feel you know I feel very bereft of of a friend and you know of of somebody who who could have worked with me on this issue and which we both cared about very passionately. I'm so sorry to hear that. You spoke to Priyanka's doctor. What did he tell you about what he saw? Dr. Rotegi, um, he's been practicing in Delhi for about seven years, and he's definitely seeing a rise in lung cancer patients. When we uh, think about Priyanka's case, it is very evident that she's too young to have any cancer at all. We used to say you need 25 to 15 pack years of smoke, which means you have to smoke every day, a pack a day. How does somebody 26 get that kind of exposure? So it's quite obvious that she has a lung cancer 
which is not smoking related. And, you know, it's impossible to say that, okay, uh, you have lung cancer stage 4 metastatic because, because of air pollution in the city. It's very hard to pinpoint that. But when you eliminate all the other risk factors, you have no family history of cancer, you have no smoking history, you have no exposure to chemical industries. So it's, uh, you know, doctors like Dr. Rotegi um, are really beginning to, to kind of question what's going on. I am of belief that increasing pollution is increasing the number of lung cancer. We never, in, in England where I used to work and used to see a lot of smokers cancer, the average patient or the majority of patients was 65, 70, 75. In my clinic today, for example, there are three patients with lung cancer, all of whom are less than 50. And that to an oncologist is a surprising fact. But how is air pollution getting into people's lungs? How are they getting sick? How do you identify it and measure it? Well, one phrase that you'll hear a lot when discussing air quality is PM 2.5 or PM 10. The PM stands for particulate matter. Particles come in lots of different sizes and scientists use particle diameter to measure them. The number 2.5 refers to the diameter of those particles in micrometers. And these are very small particles, which are often invisible to our eyes. Just to give you an idea, a grain of sand is about 90 micrometers. A strand of hair is around 50. So a particle that's just 2.5 micrometers is incredibly small. So small, in fact, that our bodies have trouble keeping them out. They can get deep into the lungs and even into the blood. Once in our body, they can cause asthma or cancer or strokes or heart attacks. So PM 2.5 concentration is monitored around the world, and it's measured by the mass of particles in each cubic meter of air. To allow the public to easily understand the quality of air in their city, governments use the Air Quality Index, or AQI. It's a color-coded scale that rates the danger to your health. The index includes other pollutants beyond fine particles, but basically high numbers mean more pollution. On a beautiful blue and clear day, the PM 2.5 concentration might be in the single digits. That would be a nice green on the scale. But it starts turning orange or unhealthy when the PM 2.5 level crosses 55.5 micrograms. That's when scientists say the elderly and children should avoid any physical activity. The hazardous mark becomes dark red at 250.5. That's when everyone should avoid any strenuous activities, and children and the elderly are not supposed to go outside at all. Visibility levels go down. There are days when you can't see buildings or monuments above the ground, and people get sick. They start coughing and their eyes become teary and red. Is anyone being held accountable for these deaths or accountable for generating the increase in air pollution? Is there any blame there? 
No, unfortunately, the conviction rate is so low that it's actually zero. And I mean, that's staggering. I mean, you know, Delhi has over 20 million people. And how is it that in, in the world's most polluted capital city, you have zero convictions on air pollution? There's something that's going terribly wrong with, you know, authorities and enforcement. And yeah, you have all these rules and you have, you know, some really great Supreme Court judgments. But what's going on with the implementation and enforcement? There's, there's definitely, you know, there's huge lapses happening over there. So while the government is hard-pressed to move beyond its own bureaucracy to find solutions, citizens are stepping up with solutions of their own. Can you tell us about social entrepreneur Baran Agarwal? He created this indoor green space that's meant to clear the air. What's that about? You kind of step into this building that just looks like a normal office building from the outside, and it's like you just feel different. So there are two parts to the clean air in this building. One is the plants, and one we have mechanical filtration. The plants can remove the indoor pollutants very effectively. We can bring in lesser amount of outside air. So our cost of cooling that air in terms of energy comes down dramatically as well. So the double benefit of better air and lower energy is thanks to the plants. We actually took readings outside the building. And at that point, that day, it was about, the PM 2.5 was about 100 outside. And we stepped in, it was 14. And the days when it, it's actually even better than 14. And they've done studies on how the productivity of people in, in that office building is better as a result. How do you think this tech can serve as a solution for people in New Delhi? Is it meant to? You know, it's very much a very elite solution and a very temporary one. 7,000 plants in one building are not going to clean up Delhi's air. What do you do when you have a staggering problem like this? The people who've designed entire playrooms in their homes just so that the kids don't go out to play. There's air purifiers everywhere. There are masks, but only for those who can afford them. So Neha, you are from Delhi. You go there a few times a year to see your family. How does this affect you? What do you see as the solution to this? It's really difficult because I don't live in Delhi anymore and I haven't for a few years. And I, I can't describe to you how guilty that makes me feel because I'm not breathing the same air that my family is breathing. And I have older people and children in the family. And, you know, these are the two age categories that are affected really disproportionately by the city's bad air. There's all kinds of statistics that a child dies every three minutes because of air pollution in India. And, you know, 100,000 Indian children under five died because of air pollution. It really makes me wonder, like... A, how to get my family out of there, and B, you know, my sense of home is kind of, you know, disturbed because I don't know what's home anymore. And if I want to have a family of my own one day, would I want my children growing up in Delhi? So, you know, it, it kind of opens up these huge existential questions in your head. And, you know, am I going to be an air pollution refugee for the rest of my life? Because is Delhi really going to clean up in my lifetime? I'm not sure. I really hope so. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez with Nagin Oliay, Dina Kisbe, Oni Wohacha, Alexandra Locke, Priyanka Tilbe, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. 
Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer, and Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to Neha Tara Mehta, Stephen Phelps, Dermot Jeffries, and Pallavi Pant. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, go to the description page on this episode. You'll find subscribe links there, as well as all of our handles to our social media accounts. And just in case, you can always go to aljazeera.com slash the take. We'll see you next time. <laughs>